Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders good cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Kelly Green Hour. I am your host, Connor Donald. Of course, as you can see, it is not LJ as my co-host today. He is off at a wedding, partying and having a good time, and going to miss talking about the Washington Commanders versus the Philadelphia Eagles Monday Nighter. Although it would be a lot more exciting if we could be talking about the return of Carson Wentz to Lincoln Financial Field. We're not going to get to see that. But nonetheless, we look to move to 9-0 and against a not-so-great Washington Commanders team. We've talked about them a bunch, obviously, on this show, and we said they should likely be better than they are. But unfortunately, they've kind of been plagued by injuries all season and some very inconsistent football. Um, but... Let's kick it off by welcoming in my co-host, Shane. He is a member of the Painted Lines. He is also a member of the Bleeding Green Nation. Um, you can find him on Twitter at half and half. That's two Fs uh, in those underscore TPL. Um, Shane, welcome aboard and thank you for so admirably stepping in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to talk about the Commanders. If that's possible to be excited about, I guess. <laughs> I think we're more excited to talk about the Eagles, but we uh, we will definitely be touching on both sides of the football for both of these teams and uh, and some players. Let's start with the injury report um, before we dive too far into things. So Friday has come and gone practice. Avante Maddox not practicing again. He He's dealing with a hamstring issue. Josh Job did not practice, I believe. And Josiah Scott was a limited participant, uh, as he has been all week. This kind of makes sense as to why they got called up Andre Chichere or brought him up to the active roster on Tuesday because nobody really knew of the Avante Maddox issue or how much of an impact it would have until of course he wasn't practicing uh wednesday i think was a walkthrough but then in the two actual practices he hasn't actually participated um what are your thoughts there as far as impact on how the scheme will be played i th i really think i was kind of going back and forth with people on twitter today that andre chichere would be the one to jump in uh, to the nickel position over Chauncey Gardner-Johnson because Gardner-Johnson's been just so good, so effective at the safety position. And we know, we've seen what it looks like when you pull him or Epps out of that one of those safety positions. It's not necessarily a pretty picture. Yeah, so if Avante Maddox doesn't play, uh, you have the whole dilemma of do you put Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back in the slot, stick Kayvon Wallace at safety, uh, we know that when Avante Maddox missed a game earlier in the year, that's not what the Eagles did. They elected to put Josiah Scott out there. But now if Josiah Scott is limited, then you have to ask that whole question again. Would you rather have your, your corner five in the slot or, or would you rather have your safety three on the field? So um, I would lean, if it was me, I would lean towards putting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson into the slot 
if Josiah Scott's not able to go. I don't think that's what the Eagles are going to do, though. I think they're going to be hesitant to move him out of safety. Uh, I I would suppose that you probably see a lot of Zach McPherson in the slot if Avante and Josiah Scott are both unable to go. Agreed. Yeah, I sometimes forget Zach McPherson's there because he's been buried behind the the incredible play of this trio of cornerbacks. More more duo of cornerbacks, but uh, yeah. So that's the impact on the Eagles side of the ball. Just three cornerbacks uh, in question. Um, on the Washington Commanders side of the football, they get a very important piece in Jahan Dotson back this week. I think he's missed the last six weeks. I believe he had three touchdowns in four games that he played. He's been fairly effective. That was with Carson Wentz, not with Taylor Heineke. So it may be different to see what they do there. Um, Cole Holcomb did not participate Friday again. He's missed the last couple of weeks. That would be a massive loss in the middle of that defense for them, a defense that is already lacking. Of course, Chase Young is not back yet, still getting up to speed. And then J.D. McKissick didn't practice either, although at this point it just serves to make more of a mess of the running back room than anything because I think Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson are doing just fine as a as a two-headed monster in that backfield any thoughts on the impact of the injuries from the commander's side John Dotson coming back is going to be huge for them especially if Avante Maddox is unable to play he's a very electric player out of the slot had a really strong start to the year like you mentioned before getting injured so you know, he'll have to work through chemistry issues with a new quarterback and coming off of the injury, but that could be a, a pretty advantageous matchup for the commanders if they get their slot guy back and the Eagles are down arguably their top two slot corners. Yeah, the good thing is, and I think you mentioned it on one of your podcasts earlier in the week, is Taylor Heineke likes to keep things closer to the line of scrimmage, which could bode well for Jahan Dotson and not so well for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, But obviously, like you said, the chemistry is going to be a big thing. But Jahan Dotson was somebody I loved through the draft process. He was actually one of my favorite wide receivers through the process after the big two or three that were there. You know, you talk about Chris Olave, you talk about Garrett Wilson, um, you talk about Jamison Williams. But after that, it was kind of wide open. I know, like, I wasn't as high on Drake London as others. I was iffy on Traylon Burks. But I love Jahan Dotson, the way he can get open, his route running, and so on and so forth. So I was a big fan of Jahan Dotson, and I think he's going to be – he could be an under-the-radar piece that has a decent game against Philadelphia Eagles on Monday – um, especially, like you said, if, if, they're, if they're banged up in the slot and they don't have anyone to really cover him. But onward and upward to the game. Um, so uh, last time we met, it was week three when we played the Washington Commanders and we sacked Carson Wentz nine times. And, of course, we ended up winning that game 24-8. to eight. There, The Washington Commanders could get nothing going on offense. Um, so... While I don't believe we're going to see nine sacks again, because I always feel like things get dumbed down for the backup quarterback a bit. The offense becomes a little more basic. The offense becomes a little more easy to work in than when you have a guy like Carson Wentz, who notoriously tries to do a lot more than he should uh, in a lot of situations. Um, So I don't think we should expect a nine sack uh, party going on again this week against the Washington Commanders. Although I wouldn't rule it out one bit. I just don't see it. Taylor Heineke is not someone who necessarily is going to take a sack like Carson Wentz seems more willing to take them. Um, 
But what are your thoughts overall from an offensive perspective with Taylor Heineke at quarterback versus Carson Wentz at quarterback and what we did see in week three? Yeah, so Taylor Heineke, he invites pressure at a higher rate than Carson Wentz does. He's been pressured on 48% of his dropbacks this season uh, compared to Carson Wentz, who was at 34%. So he will hang on to the ball. He'll move around. Uh, he does invite pressure. The difference is, although he, he takes pressure at a higher rate than Wentz did, those pressures translate into sacks much less frequently. Uh, Taylor Heineke has been sacked on 11.7% of his pressured snaps, whereas Carson Wentz was just a little over 25%. So Wentz, or Wentz you know, he gets pressured and he just sort of turtles and, and he makes bad plays. Heineke invites that pressure, but he doesn't really take a lot of sacks. He, he'll move around. He's not like... He's not like a Lamar Jackson type, but he's got some athleticism. He likes to scramble around. Um, so I think the pass rush, you're going to see it make an impact on the game. You're going to see it impact Taylor Heineke, but I definitely wouldn't expect expect a nine-sack game. Um, the commander's offense, since Heineke took over in week seven, uh, so we eliminate the early season with Wentz. They're 25th in EPA per play, uh, 26th in dropback EPA, and 21st in rushing EPA. So it's not a good offense. Uh, it's really not. Uh, it's slightly better than it was under Wentz. Uh, the EPA per play has gone up 0.012 points. So not a big difference. The success rate's about the same. So functionally, it's the same offense. I would say that Taylor Heineke has a little lower ceiling than Carson Wentz in terms of the wow plays. I mean, we all know Carson Wentz can make wow plays now and again. Then you just like, how did how did he do that? And he'll also make plays that just kill his own team. And I don't think you see that with Heineke either. So a little lower ceiling for Heineke, a little higher valleys. Overall, a more steady force than Carson Wentz. Um, so that could be good or bad. He's not going to kill his own team. He's not going to kill your team either, though. No, and, and one thing that we have seen in the in the past few weeks is there's a lot more forcing of turnovers and a lot of smart decision-making by our cornerbacks. We've seen James Bradbury and Cha Chauncey Gardner-Johnson almost make it impossible on Howie to keep the two of them next season. I think we've almost reached an impasse where you're going to have to make a decision on a DB, and then you're going to have to make the decision on Kaiser White, who I am at this point more than willing to kind of move on from and Javon Hargrave. I feel like we're really at an impasse. You're probably only going to be able to keep two of those four names, and no matter what you believe about the salary cap and its existence and how he, and how, how he can rig it, at the end of the day, James Bradbury is going to be 29. Javon Hargrave is going to be going into his age 30 season. Kaiser White, young, a lot younger. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a lot younger, so maybe you'll want to go the younger route, but we all know that he loves that 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 defensive line so you know he's going to take a solid look at keeping Javon Hargrave moving forward especially if we can try and avoid using a top pick on defensive tackle in back-to-back -back seasons that would definitely be preferred with two first rounders this season um but like you've kind of alluded to with Taylor Heineke his yards per attempt are pretty abysmal his air yards per attempt ranks 35th among quarterbacks his yards per attempt ranks 20th while you look at his deep ball completion percentage, it's good. His pressure completion percentage is good. 
like you said, at the end of the day, he's not really pushing the ball down the field unless he's forced to. So if the Eagles put him in a situation, he's likely going to be in a lot more uncomfortable position than he normally would be in if we were able to get ahead by two scores, three scores, and really force him to start pushing the pace of the game and pushing the ball down the field. That very well could happen, and then that could lead to him having to make some decisions that, you know, kind of like we saw with Cooper Rush earlier in the year. We said the big thing was, you know, don't don't really pressure or bring the pressure with the guy. Well, don't really bring the pressure with the, the guy because you want him to have to think. You want him to have to make a decision. And when he was left there to make the decisions, he didn't make very good decisions, and we forced a lot of turnovers. We forced some sacks. And it was just a bad day all around for Cooper Rush. And I could see similar to Heineke, although Heineke, I think, is is leaps and bounds above Cooper Rush as a quarterback. So I don't want to give Cooper Rush too much credit in this conversation. Um, but I would agree uh, with with the, the sentiment that you have. The, the touchdown rate's low. There's just not a lot happening in this offense. And like you said, is it a little bit better without Carson Wentz? Yes. Is it? a lot better or noticeably better no and and when they went out and they got Carson Wentz I kind of thought to myself they're so such similar quarterbacks in a way that I just to me it did not make any sense why they went out and invested the way they did in Carson Wentz with all the you know what you've heard uh, in feedback from other teams or reports out of other teams' camps about the situations that he's created in those locker rooms. So it's unfortunate, but they made the the decision. Uh, I probably would have went with Heineke, but that that's my personal take on that on that situation. On as far as the running back situation goes, I feel like people underrate this running back situation but it's because the passing game can't really get going i feel like if you had a better passing attack here you'd see a lot more out of antonio gibson you'd see a lot more out of brian robinson more brian robinson than gibson because gibson's been the beneficiary of the checkdowns of taylor heineke but i think you'd see a lot better out of brian robinson if you were able to open up that field more, which I haven't been able to. What are your thoughts on the the running back room, especially with the fact that, and I know you had something where you talked about why the Russian defense of the Eagles doesn't necessarily matter so much, but we do have a bit more of a tougher schedule as far as running backs go. So what do you think about the impact of the, these two running backs on this game? Yeah, I like, I really like Antonio Gibson as a player. He's, to me, he's what you want as a running back. Uh, he's got some slot receiver flexibility. He's good out of the backfield on passing plays, which is primarily what I'm looking for in a running back. I want a guy that can be used in the passing game, a guy that can pass protect. And, uh, you know, if you scheme things right, anybody can run behind a good offensive line. Uh, so I, I like Antonio Gibson. I, I haven't seen a lot of uh, Robinson. Of course, his career gets off to an inauspicious start. Uh, so always good to see him back on the field but you know the football or the football team the command they've changed names too many times it's hard to keep up um the commanders their running game is nothing special like i said the 21st rush epa that said the eagles don't have a very particularly good run defense they may look better than that against the eagles um it's not something that I'm really scared of though. There's really not anything on the offense that scares me. Like I think their best, their best threat is Terry McLaurin deep balls. And when Taylor Heineke throws those, it's just throwing them up in coverage and trying to let 
Terry McLaurin go make a play and he might do that a time or two but that's not going to lose the game for you and so uh, attacking the Eagles defense I I feel like they're going to have to try to slow the pace of the game down they're probably going to want to run the ball I mean if you're playing an offense that's clearly better than you if you can go on long drives and kind of shorten that game that's ideal Uh, so if I was the commander's coaching staff that's how I would game plan against the Eagles I would want to go on slow slow methodical drives running the ball a lot and so I would feature Robinson and Gibson pretty heavily early in the game agreed I I know one big thing is the Eagles have absolutely dominated time of possession for most of this season they're definitely I think in the top three in the league in this category so they are dominating that and and it just it usually goes back to the second half where they start running the ball a lot more and their drives go on for eight nine ten minutes and then teams just get buried because of it but the, you cannot allow the Eagles to dominate this. If you can get any type of running game going, and you saw it on Thursday night, and while we hate Thursday nighters, and we say, you know, Thursday nighters are not a true indication of a team that comes out on Sunday night or Sunday, um, then you would have noticed that, you know, with Damian Pierce, they kind of got that going, but they couldn't sustain it because eventually the Eagles got ahead in the game. It got a little too out of hand and they kind of had to start throwing the ball more and being forced into those situations. Davis Mills was of throwing interceptions, making bad decisions and just stalling out their offense altogether. So you definitely want to try and dominate that early. If you can, if you, if you're able to get a hold of that ball right away and take control for six or seven minutes and really wear down the Eagles defense, not allow the pressure to get too much at Heineke, try and sustain a good running game and, and force us to play a little more closer to the line of scrimmage. That could be, that could play into, and no team has really been able to do that, but that can definitely play into a team's favor if they're able to get that early control and not let us get that offense out there and going early and scoring those points. But it hasn't been something that any team has actually been able to sustain for more than a quarter or two because as soon as the offense gets out there, they start putting points up and you're forced, your back's up against the wall. Um, you did allude to McLaurin. McLaurin and Dotson, they're, they're a good duo of wide receivers it's yet to be really figured out what we're going to see in that chemistry between Heineke and Dotson tight ends haven't been that great like Logan Thomas has been in and out with injuries Bates has been nothing special the offensive line hasn't been all that great Um, they've been banged up a little bit but they just haven't really been all that great altogether. I don't think there's any more to add on the the offensive side of the ball for for the Washington Commanders unless you can think of anything. Yeah, you look at the Commanders' offense against the Eagles' defense is not what will decide this game. If the Commanders win the game on Monday night, it won't be because of their offense. It'll be because of their defense. And their defense has played pretty well over the last couple of weeks, and we'll get into that. But you know, to me, they're just going to try to hang on on offense and try to let their defense make some plays and keep them in the game. I like it. Um, we'll move into the defensive side of the ball for the Philadelphia Eagles since we just talked about the offense and we've kind of alluded to it a little bit. Um, overall, the defense is just purely dominated games i mean the game wasn't all that great on thursday but they made the plays when they needed to make the plays they won the ugly game those are games that last year's eagles the year before probably they lose um 
but we've seen, like you said, you kind of alluded to, we've seen like Javon Hargrave's been the biggest source of pretty much sacks uh, over the last couple of weeks. And otherwise, we've seen a lot of pressures. And like you you alluded to earlier in the episode, this feels like another game where we may see a lot of pressures that don't lead to sacks, which a lot of fans are kind of frustrated with because they think that although I think we're still top 10 in sacks, we might just be on the fringes of it now. They feel like if you're... It, pressures or hurries don't count like sacks do and that we need to be getting sacks to be getting home i think the front four has been really good while it is frustrating not to see them get home all the time they are the driving force behind a lot of the mistakes that the quarterbacks make they get uncomfortable they're forced out of the pocket they're forced to throw under pressure and they make the decisions that they make that lead to interceptions and then it's good plays on the back end by chauncey gardner johnson james bradbury darius slay among others um do you think it's anything to worry about with this defensive line that the sacks don't come in the droves that fans expect or think that it should no, not at all. Um, I think sacks are largely a luck-based stat, similar to interceptions. I mean, you can have good coverage and, and the ball just go off a guy's hands the wrong way, and you don't get an interception versus it bounces off a guy's hands right to you, and it is an interception. It's the same thing with sacks. Um, as long as you're constantly putting pressure, if that moves the quarterback off his spot, flushes him out of the pocket – uh, takes away half the field. That's very impactful. And I mean, obviously, you'd like to finish sacks. You don't want guys missing sacks. Uh, but as long as you're consistently generating pressure, uh, that that's good enough for me. And it's been good enough for this defense. I mean, the defense has been remarkable this year, uh, particularly against the pass. They're the number one DVOA passing defense right now, and they lead the they lead the league by far uh, in turnover differential. And some of that goes to the offense not turning the ball over themselves, but uh, the defense has generated big plays, and a lot of that starts up front. A lot of these interceptions, they, you know, it looks good for the defensive back, but it starts up front with the pressure on the quarterback too. Absolutely. And last year it was all about, oh, we don't, we don't force turnovers, and the frustration was there. Now instead, where you don't get the sacks, and there's a frustration there. But these are the same fans who are going to sit there and say, "Oh, Trayvon Diggs, ten interception or whatever he had last year, 10, 11 interceptions, led the league in interceptions. He got the call to the Pro Bowl over Darius Slade based on that glorified stat. Sacks can be called the same thing. Sacks can just be a glorified stat. Sacks don't necessarily mean they mean something but they don't necessarily have to mean a whole lot when the pressure is what's generating the turnovers on the back end for this defense i want to get your thoughts on this comment here from dave um do you think another team may be willing to overpay for hargrave i think someone may be willing to pay more just to get d-line help i don't think it's certain hargrave returns what we have seen from howie is he's kind of good at when things are going well getting players back on team-friendly-ish deals or front-loading a deal, back-loading a deal, rigging some guarantees up to make the deal a lot better for a player, whereas some other managers haven't seemed to figure this out yet. I think if the season continues to go good, which obviously that doesn't look like it's going to trend too poorly in any other direction yet until the playoffs come around, I feel like you have a better chance of getting a guy like Javon Hargrave back than you have of some of the younger guys because they will want more money than a guy like Javon Hargrave. What are your thoughts there, uh, Shane, on this? Yeah, it depends on how his season ends up. I mean, he's a tremendously hot and cold player. We saw him start last year off uh, 
with a bunch of sacks and you thought he was going to hit like 15 sacks and then he just kind of cooled off and he started this year a little cool and obviously five sacks in the last two games so if he continues to play at that rate I would imagine he'll get a pretty big deal in free agency uh, if he tails back off you know it, it just it depends you never know what the market's going to look like or what these guys motivations will be I think I think he could probably get a bigger deal than the Eagles will be willing to give him on the open market. But sometimes you can't discount the culture that, you know, a guy plays in not don't forget, you know, he played in Pittsburgh before he came to Philadelphia. Maybe he just likes Pennsylvania. Maybe he wants to stick around and, you know, maybe he sees something special being built there and wants to be a part of it. So on a good team, you can, you can always take some of those things into account. So I don't know if Hargrave will be back. I'm not sure that Hargrave would be a priority re-signing for them. Uh, but if you could get him back on a team-friendly deal, I'm certainly for it. Definitely agree with you on that point. Um, and to so far from what I've seen of some big boards coming out, there's some solid defensive line talent coming out of this class that may interest teams more than spending big on a guy like Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox. Like some of these names are, are names you might see back just because of that and an unwillingness to spend hugely in the trenches like, you know, like Howie Roseman likes to do. Otherwise, defensively, we can't say enough good about Darius Say. You kind of talked about Darius Say. He has the, he, I believe, is top five in interceptions, but he has, is number one in dropped interceptions. So you want to talk about those opportunities where it just kind of falls out of your fingers, subset of your fingers. Darius Say would be a perfect example of that. Um, we talked about the concern with Devontae Maddox, likely Zach McPherson stepping in. We may see a bit more of, Kevon Wallace and we want to see which I think honestly I've seen enough of Kevon Wallace I saw enough last season that I knew he wasn't the guy but how he seems adamant that he wants to see if something works out with Kevon Wallace or if he can come to fruition to what they thought he was going to be um and we could see a bit more Zach McPherson which isn't a bad thing there was some high draft capital invested in Zach McPherson Darius says getting older James Bradbury might not be back next season it might be good to get a closer look at Zach McPherson and see what he's capable of as well um and he'll have they, it'll be some stiff competition down in the down there with Antonio Gibson uh with Jahan Dotson while the tight ends haven't been that great I think they're fully capable of doing a little bit more when given the opportunity but I feel like unless you have anything more to add on the backside of the ball, the back the the back end of this defense has just been really good, really incredible. They've they've seized the opportunities that the front end has provided them, and I think that's all we can really say about them. Yeah, they've played phenomenally, and you've seen for the first time this year the Eagles have invested so much into their pass rush for so many years, and they haven't had the corners to go with it. And what you're seeing this year is that sacks come from good coverage and good coverage comes from sacks it's nice when a coverage busts and somebody gets home and they just play off of each other so well and so that's why it's important that you have both of those things you need to be strong on the back end you also need to have the pass rush and they help cover for each other and make each other look better and and that's what you've seen through eight weeks for the eagles this year defensively for the washington commanders let's flip to the other side their front three well front two with deron pin and jonathan allen have been incredible they've been doing so well and the idea that this is without chase young it makes it very scary that this offensive line can be so much better 
um, than what they actually are. Are you worried about the interior of our offensive line up against the these two beasts? Because it's pretty much what they've been this year. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, they've combined for 21 tackles for loss this year, and they're both ranked in the top five uh, in tackles for loss. They're As a team, the Commanders are the number two DVOA run defense uh, at negative 23%. That basically means your rushing attack will be 23% worse against them than it would be against the average NFL defense. And we saw that in week three. The Eagles rushed for 2.4 yards per carry against the Commanders. I don't think this is a good running game. This isn't a good matchup for running the ball for the Eagles. I'm not concerned about them from a pass rush perspective, but I do think this game, the onus of this game is going to fall on Jalen Hurts and the Eagles passing offense. I don't think they're going to be able to get a lot going on the ground. Which is kind of a good thing because a lot of people still don't think they've seen enough from Jalen Hurts as a passer and how you could think that still is is unfathomable in my eyes but you know there's a chance here like you said where you're gonna have to see him stay in the pocket you're gonna have to see him in some situations where where he's under pressure where he's feeling some heat some situations that could come up in the playoffs that we saw last year where he was extremely ineffective and had us with an early first round exit in a game that we were were never even in at any point. So this could be one of those games where we get an opportunity to see Jalen Hurts in a pocket, under duress, under pressure, where he isn't necessarily able to just scramble and try and get away from a situation. Um, the cornerbacks and on the back end of this defense, a little bit more of an issue they haven't been as good obviously they and they also have the issue with the cornerback that they dealt there earlier in the season who was one of their better cornerbacks so what are you what's your take on the back end where of the whole Jalen Hurts in this passing offense where the wide receivers and what they have to do against these cornerbacks their defense has quietly improved since week three Uh, Over just the last three weeks, they've been the ninth best defense in terms of drop back EPA. And so it's not a cakewalk to throw against the team. They're starting to figure some things out schematically. They're putting guys in the right positions, uh, whereas they weren't doing that early in the season. So uh, one thing that's really exploitable on the team, though, is the linebackers. Their linebackers are not very good, despite spending a first round pick on Jamin Davis and sign, you know, paying Cole Holcomb fairly large money. And so the linebackers are an issue on the team. One of the things that I expect to see the Eagles do against this offense is to spread out into empty sets. We saw that a lot in week three in that matchup. It was the first time we'd really seen Jalen Hurts operate out of empty. And uh, in week three from empty Hurts was eight of nine passing for 97 yards and a touchdown, averaging 10.8 yards per attempt versus when he was throwing from non-empty sets he was 13 of 27 uh, for 243 yards and two touchdowns at nine yards per attempt so there was a lot of effectiveness uh, from getting into those empty sets a lot of times they they basically did two things out of empty Uh, one is they would put devonta smith in the slot and they would put miles sanders or kenny gainwell out wide And that sort of forces the defense to tip their hand. If they're going to line up in man coverage, they're going to have to put a linebacker all the way out at the boundary, and teams don't want to do that. So it sort of forces teams into zone coverage looks, 
And now you have Devontae Smith in the slot working a two-way go against a linebacker. And that's the obvious advantage for Devonta Smith. There's a reason that he had his biggest game of the year, 146 yards in week three against the commanders. And then the other thing they did out of empty is they would put Devonta Smith in the slot flanked by AJ Brown. And it was the same sort of thing. You're going to line up with three defenders over two receivers and wherever that extra defender, wherever that safety gives help, if he helps the linebacker on Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown's one-on-one with the corner out wide, and that's obviously a matchup you will take as well. So I expect the Eagles to spread it out a lot, spread and shred against the defense, and uh, utilize a lot of those sort of empty looks early in the game. I like it. Definitely um, an interesting look into the situation or the scheme that the Eagles might have to use in order to really be effective in this passing offense. Um, I like that they, they they are still giving up a lot of passing yards per game, but even over the last three weeks, but like you said, they are figuring out some things more schematically um, than, than other teams or than other cornerback rooms who may be doing a lot worse. So this defense is definitely one. And this is one of the reasons this defense was one of the reasons that me and LJ have talked about saying, you know, it feels like this team should be better than they are, but it feels like it would be buoyed by this defense versus this offense, because the offense, like you said, no matter what quarterback has been at the helm, just hasn't been that effective and just hasn't been able to do a whole lot. Whereas this defense without their star pass rusher, without their superstar pass rusher, and Chase Young have been able to figure a lot of stuff out. And when well, as soon as you plop him in there, and it's that front four of Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Chase Young, this defense probably has a good opportunity to figure things out a lot more. And of course, Cole Holcomb getting healthy as well would be nice because he's been really effective, maybe not necessarily in coverage, but he's been a very effective tackler for them. Um, whereas Jamal... Jermaine Davis, like you said, just hasn't been that, just hasn't been what they expected, um, which obviously he's uber athletic, but there was a concern about how his game could translate to the NFL level. And we've seen it with a lot of athletes before is can they translate to the NFL level or not just based on their athletic ability, which it, we're starting to see with Davis and maybe that nece- that isn't necessarily working out. Um Philadelphia Eagles offense we'll go and check on them very quickly like you said you've kind of alluded to a lot of things does this feel like a game where Dallas Goddard could be extremely effective again he was really good on Thursday night he went one nine for 101 um, against the Texans could this be another game where if they uh, where the linebackers are a weaker position and they're more focused on you know the guys like Miles Sanders Kenneth Gainwell, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, whatever is being schemed up. Could Dallas Goddard be one of those guys who's just a lonely guy out there that ends up getting a lot more looks? It could be. It doesn't strike me as a particularly big Dallas Goddard game. Um, They certainly like to utilize him in the screens out of empty, that sort of thing. Uh, He was so effective against the Texans because they run so much cover two Tampa two defense. And so they could hit him on those outbreaker routes against zone. He's been so effective against other teams like the Jaguars and the Cowboys, because they run a lot of the RPO stuff to leave the defensive end unblocked. But the problem is that 
I don't think that's going to be super effective against the commanders because the bulk of their run defense is up the middle and you can't really just, you can't leave those guys unblocked. You can't account for those guys with RPOs. And so, um, I, they don't have a linebacker that I feel great about covering Dallas Goddard one-on-one. Uh, so he could see some balls come his way there, but I really do think this is going to end up being more of a Devonta Smith, AJ Brown sort of game than Dallas Goddard. I like it. Had to ask the question. I mean, I was not expecting the game that he had on Thursday night, but as you kind of alluded to, this this scheme kind of worked to his favor, and he was able to be extremely effective um, in taking advantage of, of, of that scheme. We've already talked about Jalen Hurts. The offensive line has been really good. They've stayed extremely healthy, minus, you know, just a couple of games. Um, Dickerson has been banged up here and there. Um, but otherwise... It's been an extremely effective offensive line again, and it continues to be Jeff Stoutland. You being insanely effective um, at creating these great situations for this offensive line to be successful. Um, but we kind of alluded to kind of some uneasiness with Dickerson, Kelsey, and Samalu up against Allen and Payne. Is there anything else you want to add as far as matchups for Mylod and Lane Johnson go? No, not really. I mean, it, it, Chase Young might be back for this game, I heard. But, um, you know, Jordan Mailata, you could watch a little bit. He's struggled over the last couple of games. But I, generally, I just don't worry too much about the Eagles' offensive line. It's it, it's it's about as sure a thing as you're going to get in the NFL. And then when you do have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts with his mobility, he can even erase a lot of offensive line mistakes. So, uh, the combination of the mobile quarterback behind them and just the level that they've played at. I'm not really concerned about the pass rush, uh, more so just if the Eagles will be able to run the ball in the game. Definitely, and and it goes on both sides as Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders. Can one of them be effective as a rusher? That would be great. But if they're able to mitigate the impact of both of those guys on the offense, it could make things a little bit different for Jalen Hurts, a little bit dicier than that situation that we've usually seen for Jalen Hurts. Dave is in here saying he would like to see you as a guest more moving forward. We, we'll try. We, we've tried to get Shane on. He's, he's a busy man. He's got He's got like three or four other shows on the go. So, but we'll we'll definitely try and get Shane on. We like to bring on our Painted Lines family when we can. And I'm sure LJ would love to bring Shane on as well. So now we've kind of talked about a few different matchups. Now it's time to narrow it down to one matchup that you're really, and one player that you're really looking at. More one player. So one player on the offense, one player on the defense for the Philadelphia Eagles that you're looking at that you think could have a very good game. Uh, for the defense, I'll go with Javon Hargrave. He, he's he's <clears throat> excuse me. He's a key cog in the run defense now with Jordan Davis out. Uh, the only thing that worked, Jonathan Gannon tried about three different things uh, to slow down the run on Thursday night, and the one that finally worked in the second half was shifting Javon Hargrave to being the nose tackle, uh, which he came from Pittsburgh. They ran a three-four. He was more of a zero tech, one tech there. So. Uh, it's not an unfamiliar role for him, but he was still able to chain pass rush moves off of it and affect the passing game as well. So he is the key guy to watch on the defense, both in terms of stopping the run and still being able to chain effective pass rush moves out of that one tech position. So 
if the Eagles succeed defensively, I think a lot of it starts up front with the impact he's able to have on the game. And, and then on the offense, uh, I think it all goes down to that Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith connection. I expect to see that connection early and often. Devonta Smith has not been as involved in the offense this year as obviously as he was last year when he was the only receiver on the roster, basically. I think this is the sort of matchup that that dictates a little bit more to Devonte Smith's way. So I'm expecting a big game from Devonte Smith as well. I like it. And as Devonte Smith has alluded to, he doesn't give a shit about people's fantasy football teams. I guess he's probably catching some flack for that. But we kind of knew that this that and we've kind of seen it. Jalen Hurd zeroes in on a specific player based on the situation that he's provided by the other team's defense. And it just so happens to be a guy like Dallas Goddard can take advantage of it. A guy like A.J. Brown can take advantage of it. Devontae Smith has had a week or two where he's taken advantage of it. But it the way that this offense runs, especially in the second half where they don't pass the ball as much, there isn't necessarily an opportunity for these guys to see as many targets as they could in a Buffalo or a Cincinnati where they throw the ball insane amounts whether in a positive or a negative game script environment the eagles are a lot more comfortable just running the ball down their throat making the clock running the clock down and taking the w whereas other teams just continue to apply the pressure or are forced into situations where they have to continue to throw the ball and force their offense to keep moving things towards the end zone and getting more points me I would, I would tend to agree. I really like the Devontae Smith one. I feel like every single week on uh, the Kelly Green Hour when we do this, one of us picks Devontae Smith, and he's disappointed the last couple weeks um, <laughs> from that perspective. But somebody else has picked it up, like Dallas Goddard in prior weeks, or A.J. Brown has picked it up. Um, I, w- I would agree with you there. Um, I think it can be a Dallas Goddard game. I do think it can be another Dallas Goddard game because I don't want to pick the exact same guy as you. I think Dallas Goddard can be really effective. There's no real linebacker that can cover him. Then it leaves you to the safeties, but the safeties, at least one of them is going to be over top working on covering, you know, working on supporting against Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. So finding a way to have any type of good one-on-one matchup doesn't seem like it's going to work in the Washington Commander's favor minus the rush defense that seems to be the only spot where they may have the biggest impact at stopping miles sanders this is not gonna be a miles sanders night and i don't think this is gonna be a jalen hurts night on the ground defensively i'm going with gardner johnson and i only believe this because i think that they're going to use him in a lot of different looks based on the avante maddox situation based on that situation that seems to be transpiring in the slot with the injuries he may be used in a number of different roles which could give him a lot of opportunities in pass coverage to make some big plays i could see another game with another interception for chauncey gardner johnson a minimum one interception for him and some pass breakups and stuff i just think his usage is going to be modified because i feel like they would prefer him to be a guy to really support versus Zach McPherson who we likely will see more but even if you have Zach McPherson out there I think Gardner Johnson will be helping over top or keeping a very close eye on what's going on down close to the line of scrimmage and in the slot um, with that situation 
What about the Washington Commanders? Give me a offensive player and a defensive player that you think could have big impacts this week. Offense, I'll go Jahan Dotson. He's coming back, like you mentioned, off of injury, and he's probably going to have a favorable matchup in the slot. So uh, if they're able to exploit a weakness in the Eagles' defense, I do think it comes from that, uh, having to have Zach McPherson, who's your CB5, or you know something else, whatever the Eagles choose to do to counter that. Uh, but he's going to be the key, I think, to stopping on the offensive side of the ball. On defense, I, I mean, you got to go with the two big guys up front, uh, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen. Uh, if the Eagles are able to move them off their spots, uh, able to block them up, then obviously that's going to do huge things for the Eagles' rushing attack. Uh, so I'll go Jahan Dotson and then just that defensive tackle duo of Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen for the commander's defense. Yeah, I'm not going to have anything more unique defensively because really Payne and Allen are the, the biggest ones. They're the core. They're the reason that this defense chugs away that it chugs and has improved. Like you said, schematically, they've they've improved from the a cornerback perspective. But I feel like that all everything kind of like the Philadelphia Eagles, everything comes back to that front. For them, it's a front two, but it's going to be very vicious front four when Chase Young's able to get back on that football field. But it all comes back to Payne and Allen. And if you pick Payne, I would have picked Allen since you picked them both. I'm going to pick them both as well. It <laughs> only take makes one, sense. you take the other. Exactly, exactly. Um, offensively, I really like the Dotson one. Dotson feels like a guy who he, he's got. I feel like he's going to score a lot of touchdowns in this offense. I feel like they kind of go work that direction with him. He kind of seems to be one who gets the biggest advantage from Terry McLaurin and the coverage that Terry McLaurin draws and the attention he draws. Same with Curtis Samuel. They draw a little bit more attention than Dotson does. Where I mean, defenses are probably locking more into Dotson. I just don't think that they can lock in as much to Dotson this week based on the situation that's transpiring in the uh, slot corner, nickel corner position uh, with the injuries. I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson, though. We've seen uh, issues with the run defense. And while Brown Robinson has been okay, he hasn't been extremely effective. I feel like Antonio Gibson's been the more effective guy. You probably will see Brian Robinson on the early downs. In check down situations, Gibson will be out there. Passing down situations, Gibson will be out there. And in a lot of situations where maybe Brian Robinson has given them a couple good runs and worn down the defense, you're going to see Antonio Gibson, and he's more than capable of getting some good breakaway runs. And that is something that scares me because Damian Pierce, he ran the ball 27 times. While you're not going to see Gibson run the ball 27 times, you may see them try and run the ball enough to wear that front four down enough that when Gibson comes out, they can get him a, such a favorable situation and get him running a big run down the field. And in the open field, obviously, we have struggled. While we have cleaned it up a little bit from time to time, we still have these games, like last week, where we have a ton of missed tackles. And Antonio Gibson strikes me as someone who, if you dump the ball off to him and you look for some yards after the catch, he's a guy who's going to make a lot of people miss. He's going to be a guy who's going to force us some missed tackles for us. And we're no we've been notorious for them at least in three weeks this year, we've had over 15 missed tackles. So I wouldn't be surprised if this could be another week with this duo of Robinson and Gibson, and then you have Jahan Dodson, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. 
a part of me feels like and the offensive line hasn't been the worst in the world and a lot of them are younger and still working on things and, and trying to gel I feel like and we say this so much about a lot of teams they may be a team that's a quarterback away they just haven't found the answer at quarterback but Curtis Samuel's been effective Dotson's been effective McLaurin's been effective they just aren't being provided the opportunity to be extremely effective because the quarterback play just hasn't been that good and like I said I think Robinson and Gibson can be an extremely underrated duo of of running backs and while I don't want to continue to praise a divisional rival I feel like they've just been backed up against a wall in a number of situations with injuries and with the quarterback play that they haven't been able to be the team that they could be going forward or in the future with the right quarterback in play yeah they've wasted a fantastic pass rush a fantastic front seven with poor quarterback play and with a poor secondary and and really poor offensive weapons prior to maybe this year maybe last year not really last year because they didn't have Jahan Dotson then now it feels like they're getting the weapons right and the linebacking core is not right the quarterback's not right it just seems like a never-ending carousel with the commanders that they're a talented roster that just has a few glaring holes that, that you know makes them a below average team and I don't think this year's any different if they could figure out the quarterback piece then they could probably be a threat next year. Unfortunately, I don't think they're a bad enough team that they're going to be positioned to where they can go get a quarterback this offseason. The way the NFC looks and then the way some of the bottom of the AFC looks, this I would be you'd be hard pressed to see these guys getting a top 10, top 12 pick at the rate that they're playing with the strength schedule be well granted yes the strength of schedule is a bit skewed especially this year because we came in with like three of the four teams at the easiest schedule and then all of a sudden the nfc's been a complete gong show so suddenly our records or our strength of schedule has looked a little bit harder um I, I think things are in their favor that they're probably going to land more in the 12 to 16 range. And that's just not the range to get a quarterback this year, especially when you know there's going to be, you know, Atlanta could be looking. You know, you definitely know Houston's looking. You know, a team like Indy's likely going to be back in the market. It's going to be another really aggressive quarterback market. And Washington showed last year that they don't seem to want to be a part of the aggressive aspect of it but that they're willing to try and find a bridge and the bridges just have not worked for them just like with the indianapolis colts bridges just are not working for some of these teams and they have to make the decision on pulling the trigger to just go for the position and make a big move at the position we've seen as eagles fans you can win without linebackers it can be extremely painful sometimes and frustrating to watch you can do it without linebackers but you absolutely cannot do it without a quarterback so they definitely have to figure something out there so shane it is that time it is time to predict are the philadelphia eagles going to move to nine and zero on monday night and sustain this I want to call it a Cinderella season. And I think we can say it's a Cinderella season. Well, as the season approached, the media started hopping on board and saying, this is a top five team. This is definitely a team to watch. Nobody ever predicted the outcome that we're looking at right now, where we're a top three offense up there with the Bills and the Chiefs. The defense is rolling, forcing the most turnovers, creating tons of pressure, even if it's not translating to sacks. I don't think anybody saw it being this way so i'm gonna call it a cinderella season do you think it continues and goes to nine and oh 
I do. Uh, I, I don't see the Eagles dropping this game. They've had extra time to prepare for it as well. So, I mean, obviously it's Monday night, so the Commanders also have an extra day, but the Eagles played Thursday night the day before. So it's a better team playing on more rest at home uh, against a division rival. That's not the type of game that you overlook or that you take likely, uh, lightly. Uh, so I do think the Eagles win this game, uh, and I really don't think it's particularly uh, nerve-wracking in the process. What do you think? Give us a score. We always try and throw down a score. Do you think we're talking? They're 11 point favorites right now. Do you think we at least cover that? Uh, I, it's I, a lot for a divisional game. Yeah, as a personal rule, I don't bet double digit spreads. And I broke that rule and took the Eagles uh, giving 13 and a half. And I already I immediately regretted it against the Texans. <laughs> so I would not bet the Eagles in this game because the last I just it doesn't go well too many garbage time things all that but uh if i was just guessing the score of the game i'll say uh, eagles 28 washington 10 so i guess my prediction would have them covering the spread but i still wouldn't bet covering the spread i think last week when we talked when we previewed the texans game i think i had the same thing where i predicted them to beat the spread but i said i would not pick against the spread that's a massive thursday night number and based on how thursday night games have played out this year it just doesn't go into your favor i i have the eagles going not moving up to nine and oh as well i just have i just can't see a way where this washington team can keep pace if the eagles are first forced to push the pace of the game i just see no way that they're going to be able to keep up pound for pound with jalen hurts and this offense and the way that we've seen this offense be capable of scoring and the way this defense has been capable of making quarterbacks make bad decisions and forcing those turnovers i just don't see a way the commanders are going to be able to keep like a a flawless enough game to beat the philadelphia eagles this week um I'm going to go, because I do agree with you in regards to the defense. I do think the defense is better. I just don't think the offense is going to be able to put up against our defense. I'm going to go 24 to 13, which puts them right at 11. So, But that's where I'm going. I think that they'll be able to get some. But I've predicted light a number of times this year because I did not expect the games to go the ways the way that some of the games have gone so that's it ladies and gentlemen another week in the books we if you missed on tuesday we reviewed the thursday nighter tonight friday night we have previewed you got you ready for the monday nighter uh, against the washington commanders at the lincoln financial field while we all wish carson Wentz was coming back to the link to the link i think Part of me feels like he is counting his blessings that he is not returning to the link on Monday night because I would definitely put down for nine or ten sacks in the link. I don't think the link would be quiet for one second that he's on that football field. They would make his night a living hell. So while we wanted it to be that, it's not going to be that. Shane, thank you so much for stepping in. Of course, tell the people where they can find you. Tell them some of the podcasts they can find you on. Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. Uh, also on YouTube at Shane Half NFL. Uh, so I do 
Uh, all 22 breakdowns, both like long form videos that are like four to 10 minutes with audio, drawing on the screen, all that stuff. I also do short videos that are like less than a minute, no audio, just like drawing and text on the screen if that's more your speed. So you can go check those out. Uh, I have a video up from week three where I talked about the Eagles using empty formations against the commanders. So if that was interesting to you, you can go see some of that in action. Um, podcasts, I'm on the Bleeding Green Nation feed. I'm on their... Uh, immediate post-game reaction show and then in the midweek I do the EPA podcast with uh, Victor Williams uh, on Tuesday nights I do chalk talk with Mark Henry Jr. which is an NFL wide show we spend like 20 minutes reviewing the Eagles game and then we spend about an hour going through all the rest of the game so if you're an Eagles fan that wants to know what's going on in the rest of the league and how it impacts the Eagles you could check that out uh, I also do a weekly show on Tuesday nights uh, birds of the round table where we sort of review the last game, preview the next one, and we do it all in the form of like a Madden watch party, doing a Madden simulation for the next week's game. So uh, just some of the stuff I've got going on, but the main thing, the bread and butter is my Twitter, so make sure you're following me on there. Just a couple things. No big deal. Just a couple. (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's it's, It's a busy time. You know, football season starts, and you're so excited for it to start, and like we're in the middle of it now, and man, it's just the grind week in and week out and I love it but the bye week was pretty nice to catch my breath and uh no more bye weeks it's straight on here through the end of the season and then it's into draft scouting and it's always something but uh, it's always fun <laughs> to be able to do that stuff so no complaints here absolutely definitely no complaints we wouldn't do it if we were going to complain about it we love it um and we're definitely going to have you back on again Shane so Dave your notion will be at happily accepted and we will have him on and try and have him on again later in the season especially um yeah dave yeah i we we were not i was not lying when i said he was really busy and he's a hard guy to get on the show definitely agree there um but otherwise make sure you check out the kelly green hours twitter feed at kelly green hour i try and keep you up to date the practice reports the injury reports um all the latest news uh all the latest articles comments from podcasts i try and keep everything going on there uh, including that uh in albert breer's most recent uh write-up where he did his mid-season he reaches out to a bunch of executives and 20 out of 32 gms responded out of 38 total respondents howie roseman was voted executive of the year um i believe it was sirianni was second in coach of the year voting and Jalen Hurts was second in MVP voting. So there's a lot of respect for the Philadelphia Eagles right now. And it feels good to be an Eagles fan. So check out the Twitter feed, check out myself at Connor 10 T E N on Twitter. I don't do as much there because I spend all my time on my other Twitter feeds, trying to keep those updated. Um, make sure you check out the painted lines family. Um, usually I would, I'm almost certain LJ has it written down somewhere. I don't remember where it all is. We have a YouTube channel. We have a, that just surpassed 7,000 subscribers. Thank you, everybody. Make sure you go. Don't be a stranger. Hit that subscribe button. Um, we have a we have a Twitter feed, we have a Twitch feed, we have a Facebook, I think. We have everything going on for the painted lines. So we're all over the place. Type in the painted lines wherever you are, you'll find us. But for now, that is it, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, LJ will be back. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll be reviewing this commander's game and hopefully we'll be nine and oh. Fly, Eagles, fly. Good birds. You want Philly food? 
Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders, good cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Yeah. Yeah.